0: Welcome to 360 Huntington on WRVB 104.9 FM. I'm Susanna Mays, and this is Hannah Rossman. And today we are going to take a look back at the infamous 1990 art heist at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, and maybe try to solve it.
1: Ooh, I'm excited. Me too.
0: So let's start at the beginning, set the scene. Have you ever been to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum?
1: Okay, I haven't, but I want to so desperately now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What about
1: you? I've been once. I
0: went freshman year with my parents. They They came to visit me and we went. It's a really cool museum. It is pretty close to campus, not exactly on Huntington Avenue, so maybe that breaks the rules of this podcast. But it is sort of <laughs> behind the Museum of Fine Arts near the Fenway, kind of near Simmons University if you know where that is.
1: Yeah. So,
0: definitely walkable in the neighborhood. And I think the most important thing for someone who hasn't been to the Isabella Stewart Gardner is that is it's not your typical art museum it isn't kind of like the museum of fine arts or the met or one of these like big fancy museums where they always have exhibitions big empty rooms not empty they're filled but kind of white walls it is kind of in someone's house so isabella stewart Gardner is a real person she was a art collector and philanthropist and it is her personal collection so she was this like rich lady in Boston, like she was that rich crazy lady, but she had this building designed in 1903 to house her personal art collection. Wow, that is, that is commitment. <laughs> yeah, and so she wanted it to, like I said, she was a little bit eccentric, she wanted it to emulate a 15th century Venetian palace oh my which is like that's life goals right there it's like be rich enough that you could be like i want a venetian palace to house my personal art collection
1: yeah i mean now i
0: want that exactly so and like when you're walking around the museum it like feels like you're in someone's house like there's carpet and wallpaper and tables but then there's like all this fancy art on the wall There's also in the middle, there's this courtyard that has like this big open kind of atrium with plants. And it's, it's crazy. I highly recommend visiting. This is so delightful. I want to go even more now. (laughs) And the coolest thing about visiting, I mean, my name's not Isabella, but if your name is Isabella, you get free admission. Really? Yes. So if oh there's any God. listeners out there whose name is Isabella, go for free. Live you your gotta life. take advantage
1: of this. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should like change my name just so I could get free admission.
1: Yeah, why not? Exactly.
0: <laughs> so the museum opened in 1903 when she was still alive and it was sort of the hip happening spot in Boston. They would always have events and live musicians and it kind of became like a gathering spot for the rich people. They would, like, come and see her art. And then slowly over time, it sort of became more of a museum. Um, She died in 1924, and she sort of, in her will, wrote that she, like, wanted the museum to be kept exactly as it was. She was like, don't change it. Don't put on your little exhibitions. This is my vision. I want it to be exactly like it was. So... And she like left a lot of her money to keeping the museum the way it is. And it's been that way ever since. Good for her.
1: You know, we love, we love a woman who knows what she wants. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can still go and see it just how she designed it. So I've heard that in terms of the theft. Yes. That they have left the frames of all of the stolen paintings because of this request.
0: Yeah. So they stayed true to her word. You're absolutely correct that you can still go see the empty frames where the art was stolen, which is a great segue into the actual (laughs) facts of the heist
1: yes so, tell me yes
0: it is quite the tale it is truly wild like this could be <laughs> straight out of a movie i think they've like have made television episodes about it but this should get turned into a feature-length film
1: yeah i actually i think that there is one but Ooh. it looks like a tv movie mm. um i i kind of casually was googling and saw it and was like hmm This might be an interesting one to watch. Blythe Danner is in it. So like, I don't know. That's kind of exciting. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, so it is the early hours of March 18th, 1990. Funny enough, this actually is a little bit important. The Saturday before was St. Patrick's Day. So this is like one in the morning. It's just become Sunday. St. Patty's Day was the night before. Big in boston and funny enough it was saint patrick's day partiers who saw some mysterious figures outside of the museum and that is indeed the two thieves that will carry out the whole thing it's oh so like my. imagine if you were like walking home from your wild saint patrick's day party and you see some people at the museum but then they were just like nah they're probably cops so right yeah. I mean
1: understandable. I feel like maybe these people were possibly a little drunk <laughs> because of St. Patrick's Day and uh Yeah I, I, I know that feeling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there is these two people we will get to them later but they pull up in their car and they are you know the parties are probably drunk but i do give them a little bit of credit because the two thieves were in police outfits they Mm, put on their fake uniforms they actually had fake mustaches they dressed up as cops and that was the way that they got into the museum so there were two guards on night rick abbott and randy highstand who were 23 and 25 so pretty young one of them was actually like their first night shift so wow i mean i'm sure that they did care about their job but they were a little this is the 90s they were a little lax Mm. so the two thieves who are dressed up as cops ring the buzzer and they like get on the intercom with the night watchman and they're like hey we're the police we heard that there was a disturbance we like need to come and check it out and the guards are like I mean you're not gonna like say no to the police so they're like uh okay so they let the fake police in and as soon as they let them in they time up they this is like straight wow. out of the action movies like the fake police come in they handcuff them they like duct tape their faces over and then oh. lead them to the basement
1: and handcuff them to a pipe wow there was no like push in case of emergency button or anything like <laughs> you know like these guys just you know they, they just like get tied up I mean, yeah. wow apparently
0: <laughs> like there was a push to uh, there was like an emergency button but they like didn't press it this is like where I'm guys. a little bit like come on guys like your job yeah, is to protect this a little art.
1: incompetent <laughs> yeah
0: but then also I'm like honestly like if I was a night watchman and like some and I was kind of new and kind of young and like the police showed up I would be like "Uh, okay you can come in so this is like is kind of crazy but also I kind of will give them benefit of the doubt that they were just doing their job so the thieves tie up the night the two guards and leave them in the basement and we sort of know exactly what happened well we know up until then because like, after they get released, the the guards to say what happened. But we know exactly what happens next because there was motion sensors in the museum. So they can, like, see exactly when the thieves entered rooms, when they got locked, like, when they turn, when they enter, and they sort of have been able, the FBI investigators have sort of stitched together what has happened that night so after the guards get locked up they actually wait 13 minutes before they move which I guess
1: Mm. if I was going
0: to do that like yeah you kind of want to wait and see make sure that nothing bad is going to happen but after they kind of wait check the scene make sure everything's clear they just kind of make their way around the museum and pocketing works of art what what
1: art did they take
0: yeah, so they took it ended up being 13 works of art. It's actually pretty interesting. I mean, this is, this whole thing is interesting, but what they take is perhaps most interesting. So there's 13 works, works of art. A couple of them are really big famous paintings. Um I don't know if you're familiar with Vermeer. He is a mm. Dutch painter from the 17th century and he only I mean it's kind of disputed, but he only made 34 works of art and this is one of them.
1: Wow. So, this doof- so rare. Really,
0: really rare. So they stole a Vermeer which was probably the most expensive item stolen. They steal a couple of other Rembrandts and a couple of other oils but they also kind of just seem to be grabbing kind of whatever will fit. They take a couple hmm. small sketches. They also take this vase thing it's a chinese goo which is a wine beaker dating back to the 12th century bc it was only worth a couple thousand of dollars so they didn't really know what they were taking they're just like i'm gonna take this vase i'm gonna take they took a golden eagle that was from the top of a flag from napoleon they kind of were just pocketing random stuff
1: eclectic taste these guys yeah
0: which is kind of a big clue as we when we get into the investigation as that they really didn't know what they're talking, what they were taking. Mm. If they were like an true art thief, petty theft, they probably would have taken more valuable artwork. There was this like really big Italian painting that they totally didn't take, even though they probably could have. So mm. they're kind of bumbling thieves. Well, bumbling in the fact that they didn't know their art but they were pretty good because they were able to make it out without a trace. Right. The police only get alerted about that. Something's been going on because the next shift, like the morning shift of guards show up to the ransacked museum and they're like, Hey, something's wrong. Please come. Someone stole everything in our museum. And they like go into the basement, find the guards that were tied up. And so they were just
1: tied up all night. Like yeah. they were just down there all night. Wow. All night
0: in the basement with duct tape over their eyes and mouth. And oh, they poor just. Poor
1: guys. I
0: know. I'm like, it, that would be like the worst thing. It's like, this is your job to protect it. And your you're one thing that you're supposed to do, you couldn't do. Yeah. The thieves also took the video recording of what happened. They tried to take the motion sensor data, but they only took the paper copies, but it was, like, backed up on a flash drive. So that was kind Ah. of the one piece of evidence. But they were pretty good at not leaving fingerprints, not leaving. They took the video. They were, you know, they were pretty good, pretty good art thieves. If I were to steal from museum, this is kind of the way to go. Like, you you hear stories about people who, like, try to take the art like when people are there and like slip it out but coming at one in the morning tying up the guards being able to take whatever you want and then dipping that's kind of the way to go
1: yeah it's interesting that they you know were so good I guess at the stealing part since it seems like they did not fully understand the art part um Hmm, maybe a clue. Maybe
0: a clue. (laughs) Yeah. So, immediately after this happened, the museum puts out a reward. So they started out at $1 million, but it has been slowly increasing over the years, and it currently stands at $10 million. Wow. Yeah, because, spoiler alert, I don't know, this has not been solved. I'm a little bit surprised that no one has come forward i mean 10 million dollars like a life of crime knowing where the art was versus 10 million dollars i would take the money
1: right and like what did these guys do with this art you would think that they probably sold it to someone who bought this art where where is it (laughs) yeah
0: so uh, there were a couple things there were a couple leads early on In, like, the first couple years after, there was originally some suspicion that one of the guards was in on it, just because, like, they were kind of questioning them, and, like, one of them was a little sketchy. Like, that night, he, like, opened a door, and some people were like, oh, maybe that was a signal, I thought this was funny. This is a quote that the FBI overseeing the case in its early years determined the guards were too incompetent and foolish to have pulled off the crime.
1: I mean, honestly, I kind of, you know, feel like I have to agree. These guys, these guys don't seem good at being security guards. But like, I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like they would be great at, you know, stealing either. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like if you can't protect the art, you can't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, okay, they ruled out the guards four years later so in 1994 the director of the museum got this anonymous letter claiming to know where the art was they were like i'm not the thief i'm just like the third party negotiator but i know where that is i come with directions about like how to get them but like i need to know that you're serious so print a coded message in the boston globe whoa yeah this is this is like
1: spy stuff (laughs) i know
0: so they did they printed a coded message in the boston globe because apparently like the person who sent the letter was able to give some information that like the public didn't know so they're like this is this could be it we're gonna print the coded message but then they never heard from them
1: what I know oh my god this seemed like such a strong lead and then it just disappeared. exactly
0: and this is just sort of like this is like a side note at like the bottom of like one article they're like oh by the way they like got this letter and I was like
1: I feel like this should be investigated more <laughs> yes who was this person exactly
0: but I guess like they just sent that one letter they printed the coded message and dipped and no they didn't know ever they never figured out who sent it
1: huh yeah, no, this, this definitely feels like an angle that, that could be looked into further.
0: Exactly, yeah. If I had to put my money on something like, what needs to get investigated? Do Figure out this letter, figure yes. out who sent it, and that would do it. Yeah. And then the final, like, maybe lead is there is this guy by the name of Brian McDevitt who tried to rob another art museum in New York a really similar way he dressed up as a fedex driver and then tried to (laughs) tried to like handcuff the guards in the basement and steal the art but like it didn't work out and he got put in jail and they like questioned him they're like you also tried to dress up and handcuff the guard in the basement do you know anything about this but i'm pretty (laughs) sure like his alibi checked out um But the funniest thing about this guy brian is that apparently he was a flag aficionado. So they were like, the what? Were, which I don't know who's a flag aficionado. But, I, yeah, I didn't know that this existed. <laughs> but like, they were like, this could explain why they took that eagle from the flag, Like, why they took that random thing that wasn't worth oh. very money. Maybe he was just super into flag. But they interviewed him. He denied it. His alibi checked out. He also died in 2004. So this mm-hmm. is probably not the case. But it kind of points to a bigger thing about with art heists it they kind of go cold for a while like if you Mm. successfully steal art and you don't try to sell it you just keep it in your basement and don't tell anyone about it it could take years and years to resurface
1: yeah it's so it's so interesting to me though that you know these guys that took such random kind of haphazard art from this museum would just like be holding on to this art? It seems it seems like a crime that like would be perpetrated, you know, out of like hope for financial gain. But you know, if you're just holding on to your art that you stole, you know, how are how are you making any money off of this? Is it just for fun? (laughs)
0: Exactly. So that kind of goes to why the FBI's sort of current theory, which is that this heist was somehow connected to the mafia.
1: Oh. Which is okay. a whole nother
0: layer of craziness. Because in the nineties, Boston had a lot of mob activity, a lot of organized crime. It was sort of run by mob bosses. So the FBI was basically assuming that the some mob boss wanted to do this either for like he just wanted the art to hang up in his mob headquarters.
1: <laughs> Why not? Exactly.
0: Or maybe they could, like... There was some theory that they, like, stole the art and then we were going to, like, use it as a bargaining chip to get out of jail. But then... But then nothing really came of that. So... Yeah. So currently, sort of, like, the latest development of this is that there was this one... Kind of their best mob leader was this Connecticut gangster and used car salesman, which once again, <laughs> straight out of the movies, this, exactly, used, wow. this used car salesman, his, had this friend and the friend's widow, like overheard a conversation between the two and they were like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this buddy my paintings. And then the win one of the bosses died, the widow like went to the police and they're like, it's this dude. And they like interviewed the other dude and he denied it. But so this used car salesman, his name was Robert Gentile. He was, they searched his house and they found police hats, badges, $20,000 in cash, a sizable collection of weaponry, the newspaper clipping of the heist and a list of all of the artwork and how much it could get oh okay which i I mean i'm not this is like circumstantial evidence so like there is i mean he denied it he like passed his polygraph but like this dude is either very into this or he did do
1: it yeah yeah
0: so, this they the guy, Robert, who had the weird, sketchy stuff in his basement, he went to jail in, on drug charges. He was released from jail in March 2019, so that, like, kind of resurfaced in the news recently. He still was like, I was framed by the FBI, but that sort of was their best lead, and now that he's sort of out and about,
1: they don't think that they're really going to get him. Wow. Yeah. But, like... This art, oh my god, this is insane! Yeah. That like, because where who could have it? I mean, I get, I very much get like the idea behind the like mob connection, mm-hmm. but like there, oh, there, there has to be a stronger lead. I know. Oh, I'm so frustrated for them. <laughs> I know.
0: So yeah, so you can still see the empty frames in the museum the 30th anniversary of the heist was this spring but there was this interview with the with the museum's director and she basically was like yeah in someone's someone's basement in someone's attic there's probably these hundreds of millions of dollars worth of paintings could be in boston could be anywhere around the world that they got traded to and we'll never know until there's Probably some other event
1: that leads them to searching basements. Right. I mean, honestly, like, probably, like, are we just waiting for, like, the people to die?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's been 30 years later. So even if the thieves themselves are probably still alive, like, the mob bosses, the one who ordered it, probably is old could be dead which but i think you're right that i think that like when something like this goes cold you sort of just are stuck waiting which is kind of sad because now there's these empty frames and these really beautiful works of art that that won't be found until until someone comes forward
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, it's honestly like the the empty frame kind of thing is obviously sad. But it's kind of also hopeful. Like, you know, they, you know, are holding on to hope that they'll be returned one day. And that's kind of nice
0: yeah and it's definitely sort of become part of the museum. It's maybe not the reason that people go to the museum, but they've definitely leaned into this. They like have an audio tour where you can learn about the heist and like kind of retrace the steps of the thieves. but I think you're right to point to this little bit of hope that they're like someone out there knows something, probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but someone out there does know something and yeah they're just waiting for waiting for the art to turn up and waiting
1: for someone to come forward wow well i guess we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed we will and like every so often something will pop
0: up in the news with someone being like oh i know where this is but usually it's just someone looking for their 15 minutes of fame but
1: i don't know Mm. maybe
0: maybe before we graduate knock on be the bells solve this exactly maybe oh my god <laughs> maybe we will t- make it maybe we make it my personal mission to try to solve this
1: yes chase please. down clues. oh my god <laughs> i'm i'm right there with you i can just imagine i mean I'm sure, like, since, you know, the museum is, like, you know, it's a Boston institution, and, like, I feel like this is, you know, an important piece of Boston history, I can just imagine, you know, the celebration that will, you know, flood through the streets of Boston when one day, hopefully, this artist returned. Yeah, one day. And I'm sure that
0: once it'll go back up in their frames and the frames will no longer be empty but you know for right now all we can do is just wait go to the museum there is a student price there is a student discount so we love a student
1: discount discount. i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go soon i really am i've been missing out
0: (laughs) (laughs) but an interesting fact is that the the statute of limitations is over it expired so if someone does come forward they won't get in trouble
1: Wow. So come on, whoever whoever stole it, if you're listening, <laughs> come on. Come on. You won't yeah, go to your jail. name might be
0: dragged through the press and you might be ridiculed by the whole city, but you won't go Whatever. to jail. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I feel like art art crimes like this are so frustrating. it's like, why are you just like hoarding art? like that's just so inappropriate guys yeah. share your art be exactly. like Isabella Stewart Gardener and literally create a whole museum just for your art so everyone can see it yeah.
0: <laughs> this episode of WRBB's 360 Huntington was hosted by Susanna Mays and Hannah Rosman This recording wouldn't be possible without the help of Caleb Dreisman, our podcast director, and Andrew Sendry, WRBB's general manager. This episode of 360 Huntington was mixed and edited by our audio engineers. Special thanks to the WRBB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Our theme music is Horsemeat Burgers by Nick Robinson. Head to WRBBradio.org, where you can find the latest episodes of all our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on all of the latest music reviews. And be sure to follow us on all social medias at Radio. Thanks for tuning in.